Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is podcast number seven. At some point, I'm going to stop saying that because I will actually forget what number we're on to. I thought it was number six. Julie corrected me and said it's number seven. We have a huge studio audience tonight, which is, um, well, it, it's welcome. It's flattering. It's it's actually humbling how big a studio audience we have here in Julie's apartment at uh, 1114 on a Tuesday night after the Rockies fell 10-6 to to the Boston Red Sox. I'm Drew Goodman, and the beautiful voice you're about to hear is Julie Brownman. Well, thank you very much. We have an audience of two, so um, we're really excited about that. We and we, 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 I had a perfectly good lie going there. <laughs> It was like um, people could imagine it, and I just kind of blew that. We are, this is a special episode. We are having our first giveaway of the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman, and we're going to tell you about it coming up after, and this is a big deal. Our our interview, it's kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. It's one of my partners. Can I, am I allowed to tell yeah. everybody? It's Ryan Spielberg, Spilly, Spilligus. Yeah. Spilligus. Spilligus. You guys are fun on the air together. How long have you been working together? Um... I don't, you know, time flies. It's like our studio audience. It keeps growing. I think, <laughs> I, I want to say six years. And Jeff Houston and I have been together for, I don't know, like 15 years. You know, what's really interesting is I think people that are viewers always just assume that you get along. The You know, the play-by-play and color people get along. I hate them both. <laughs> Passionately. <laughs> but we just debunked that myth. But that's not always the case in the business, right? I mean, it's obvious you guys like each other, but well, sometimes but you don't really get, a, you know, you don't always get along. Well, Jules, the two guys in Detroit last year almost got in a fist fight and they both ended up losing their job. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was not good. The Tigers and the Tigers? The Tigers, yeah. Like on the air, they started telling each other they didn't like each other? No, off the air, they they had some sort of issue and, and it became a physical confrontation. Wow. And they both got suspended and ultimately both <laughs> lost their job. That will never happen with you and Spilly. Although there is a there's a viewer out there that thinks that you are not very nice to your partner. Um, yeah, I think for for our show purposes, we'll call her Hilda. <laughs> she's in a witness protection program. Uh, no, she's um, she thinks I'm really hard on Spilly, and she's right. I I I love to rip Spilly um, because that's my thing. He's low hanging fruit. Well, how does Spilly feel about it? Um, it, it? Spilly is a wonderful whipping boy. Yeah. Well, right. right. Yeah. No, I so, l- listen, I love those guys to death. I'm so fortunate. We got a great family on the mm-hmm. air and uh, we spent a ton of time off the air, but she's very protective of, of Ryan. She wrote me a nasty letter, Julie. And <laughs> I mean, just reprimanding me up and down. I should feel you know, God awful that I'm so hard on him. And mm-hmm. did you write her back? Um, no, I'm, I'm, Telling every the world that I've <laughs> I've gone to confession multiple times. I'm I'm the only Jewish guy that went to confession, and, um, and so, so now I'm you. now I'm in public confession. Hey, speaking of writing letters, yeah, you know we do have a website, the DrewGoodmanPodcast dot com. You told me about that. Yes, it's actually it's a really good looking website. I don't think we talk about it enough. So the DrewGoodmanPodcast dot com is a place you can actually listen to the podcast. You can order your book. You can actually ask us questions. There's a little tab that says contact us. And so we actually got some questions. We so, did? Yeah, yeah. What do you got? So I feel like I took um, the best of the best. So I actually thought that these were pretty interesting. So we're going to start off the show with some questions. Dear Drew, this is from John in Arvada. 
I think Jeff Breidich did the right thing by spending the money to sign Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, and Jake McGee, even though it didn't really work out this season. But don't you think those players doing poorly and they had chances to go elsewhere before they signed here, that's going to hurt the Rockies' chances of signing future free agent pitchers. And that's John in Arvada. I think John in Arvada makes, um, it's a valid concern. Do you think that? I think, I think what John brings out is a valid concern concern the Rockies will always be challenged to pitch well and to acquire pitching talent that they didn't raise themselves unlike 29 other organizations right when when there's a big name free agent and I know certain clubs financially are going to be eliminated by the big name free agent pitcher um, the Rockies who spent a lot of money um, are are typically not as competitive because not all, but many pitchers will say, I'm there, I'm not going to Coors Field. I'm not pitching half of the time at Coors Field. There are guys with big guts who say, no, you know what? I'm not dissuaded from doing that. Wade Davis stepped forward. Brian Shaw stepped forward. Jake McGee was already here, mm-hmm. um, but he re-upped at Coors Field you know, with the Rockies. So you give those guys a lot of credit. Uh, Wade Davis, you know, by and large last year had a really good year. I mean, he set the saves record uh, for the Rockies. They go to the postseason. Brian Shaw did not have a good year last year. He's been better this year, not great. Um, Jake McGee has, you know, had some injuries this year, been better than last year, where it was a tough year for him last year, uh, but not great. Mm hmm. And so to John's question, it was John, right? It wasn't Hilda. <laughs> it was John. It was John. We'll get to Hilda John and Arvada. To John's question, it is a real concern because it's not like they've they've been lights out. I mean, two of those guys weren't even on the Rockies postseason roster last year in McGee and Shaw. Mm-hmm. So the next round of free agent pitchers, you know, maybe a several more say, boy, you know, Wade's a huge name and you know, he hasn't had a good sophomore year there. Brian Shaw hasn't been great there. I don't know, man. That could be that could really hurt my career. So that is a legitimate concern uh, going forward. You know, I get in this conversation actually a lot with people that want to go back. When we talk about the Rockies, it always seems not always, but a lot seems to get to oh well, they're not spending the money, and I I just stop them, and I said that may be the story of the past. But if you look at the roster right now, what they paid Charlie, what they paid Nolan, what they paid Wade, what they paid Brian, what they paid Jake, this is this is a franchise that is spending a lot of money. It's a different narrative now. So That's, I'm not sure everybody is caught on to that. Julie, you're 100% right. That's a myth. And you look at they have a they have an upper half, upper third basically payroll. Look at the history of 100 plus million dollar contracts that the Rockies have paid out. Going back to Mike Hampton, you say, well, that was a disaster. Well, he was an all star initially and it did turn poorly, but the Rockies stepped forward and signed him to 100 plus million dollars, this ownership. Then you go forward with Todd Helton, with Troy Tulowitzki, um, more recently, Charlie Blackman. Two hundred and sixty million dollars for Nolan Arenado. Right. How many franchises have have paid out that number of big deals? That's not even including eighty million for Carlos Gonzalez, seventy million for Ian Desmond. Yeah. That is a complete myth. It, un, under Dick Monfort, they have spent a great deal of money. 
Yeah, the team has issues. Spending money is not one of those. And, and the bullpen, anymore. they spent over a hundred million dollars. We we're just talking about the bullpen. And you can say, well, you know, not you know, some of it didn't work out, or many of them didn't work out. Um, they've had varying levels of success with them. You know, the Carlos Gonzalez deal was 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 a really good deal. Um, but the point is not how it turned out altogether. But when people say they don't spend money, that's not true. Okay, next question. Again, you can, if you go to drewgoodmanpodcast.com and there's a tab that said contact us, you can submit a question and we'll read it. Um, the best of the best. Be classy, people. We'll read them on our podcast. This is from Terry. Are you listening, Hilda? <laughs> this is from Terry in Westminster. Uh, Drew and Julius, it's been a pretty rough season, but there, is there any new faces that you are excited about? Please tell me there's at least one or two. I'm excited about... Ryan McMahon. Now, we're doing this Tuesday night. Ryan had a great day Monday. This is baseball in a nutshell. Ryan had a super day Monday. Hits a walk-off two-run home run to beat the Atlanta Braves. We were the hottest team in baseball. They had won eight in a row coming in. The Rockies were playing very poorly, just gotten swept in four games in St. Louis, and he hits one out. He's kind of got that that flair for the dramatic. Now, he's in his second year playing now full-time for the, for the first time. He's got 18 home runs, and... He's got 60-some-odd RBIs, and he's getting better and better. Athletically, he's doing a good job at second base. He had a tough night tonight. There were a couple errors. He struck out four times. That's baseball. But I'm excited about McMahon's future on both sides of the ball. Another guy who just went on the injured list who has shown that he's had a lot of growth this year um, offensively and defensively is Rymel Tapia. Rymel swung at a lot of pitches outside the zone earlier in the year. He has constricted his strike zone. His plate discipline's been better. He's hit well above 300 in the second half. There's some pop in his bat. I think defensively he's gotten better. He's cleaned up his routes to the ball. Um, he's making sure he hits cutoff men. He, he was you know, spraying the ball around a little bit in his throws toward the infield. Um, those are two guys that have a chance to be really good players. And so, you know, from that standpoint, and what has been a very, you know, dismal second half, um, those, two, those two guys stand out, certainly among young players. Justin and I were talking about this before the podcast. And we we're just talking about, um, we can call it a challenging season, a rough season, a terrible season. We've heard a lot of ways to describe the season. Spilly, your partner, who we're going to hear from in just a second, I think described it perfectly the other night when he said, it's just, it's shocking. It is shocking. We've talked about this before. That to me is like, okay, that's, that's, I guess what I'm feeling is that it's just, it is so different than what I thought it was going to be. And we've talked about it to death. And I guess where I appreciate this question is like, okay, we know they stink this year. I mean, let's, okay, I can say it. That's, whatever. Well, that's what's happened, Julie. Yeah. It's, it's not unfair. The Rockies in June at one point, it was the latter part of June, they were six games above 500, and they were, if the season ended then, they would have been a playoff team. They were one of the wild card teams. And you'd say, okay, just like last year, they were ahead of last year's pace, in fact, wow. record wise. Wow. You say, okay, they get hot second half, and they're going to mm -hmm. be right where they need to be. They're going to be an 88 to 92 win team, and that is generally speaking a playoff team. We know what happened. It went south, and, and it wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't, well, they'd just been okay, not good enough. It, it, it was a precipitous fall, and now the injuries have piled up after the fall. Have you talked to Doogie lately about- I talked to him today. Okay, so this is, it seems like every day I open up, I still read the paper, um, somebody's going on the DL. I mean, does he just look like, and Doogie's one of the best trainers out there. He, he is the 
absolute best. And Doogie, for those that that don't know, is Keith Duggar, and he's more, more people think of him as Doogie than anything else. He is at the absolute top of his profession. Yeah. And this has nothing to do with him. In no, fact, the Rockies, no. by and large, this year have been pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. It's really been the last couple of weeks where, where guys have gotten hurt. But that's not an excuse. That's not why the Rockies are where they are. And and to what Spilly said the other day and to what you're saying now, what makes this season more painful for the fan and for the organization and for everybody close to the organization is that the expectations were really high, as they should be. You're coming off two playoff seasons. You were in a dead heat with the Dodgers after 162 games last year. And they didn't take a small step back, um, at least in record at the end of the year. They've ta- they'll have taken a large step back. So when they're high expectations and you don't meet them, it's disappointing. When you don't come close to meeting them, it becomes really disappointing. And I think that's what, what everybody's feeling. And, and they, have a, they have a right to be you know, a, a somewhat profoundly disappointed at that. I, I thought if the Rockies had a poor year, mm-hmm. they would be still somewhere around 500 or you know, an 82 to 84 win team, which is obviously above 500. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see this coming, short of a lot of injuries, which you know that can turn things around in a hurry. But the Rockies, until recently, have had, for the most part, pretty good health. Would you be shocked if there was um, some changes on the staff? Um, I, you know, I, I haven't even thought about that yet. The Rockies believe in in stability, mm-hmm. and I think, um, I think too often in sports, there, there's a, they scapegoat, and, yeah. and the Rockies typically don't do that. So I, I don't know at this juncture how I would answer that. Nothing in professional sports, I've been around long enough, ever completely surprises you. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this when people say, oh, Buddy Black. Let me tell you something. Buddy Black is terrific. Buddy Black is the perfect guy. You didn't ask me this, but he's the perfect guy to be the skipper of the Colorado Rockies. He is bright. He is ultra competitive. He's the first manager that has a extensive pitching background Mm -hmm. and he knows it's not going to be about you know the offense ultimately I mean is that a big part of it yeah it's about pitching and for two years his first two years they pitched better than almost they ever have and that's why they were in the postseason this year is going to turn out poorly but Buddy Black is the perfect guy to be on the top step of that dugout. I'm a fan as well. Okay, last question, and I, I love this question. Bill and Evergreen, where I hail from, or did, grew up. Uh, Drew, I want to ask my girlfriend to marry me at an upcoming Rockies game. We both love the team and go a lot. Um, I'm not totally 100% sure she's going to say yes, but I really, really want to do this, and I want to do it on the big screen. I really like your thoughts on this. Billy, don't be a hero. Don't be a fool. With I'm a bad singer, but Jesse's laughing at that. Are you? You're not sure she's gonna say yes? You're gonna put it up not on the big 100% screen? Not 100 sure, but they love. He said that they love Bill. Said that they love the team. Are you ever sure they're gonna say yes? Yeah, I knew. I knew. Uh, don't don't look at me like that. Yeah, I, I don't okay. like to ask questions. It's like being an attorney. You don't want to ask questions in the courtroom that you are not positive mm-hmm. of the answer. Mm-hmm. So if you are about to ask the woman you love to get married, you sure as bleep 
better know what the answer is. If you're going to put it up on the big screen, come on, man. Once, once in a while, the woman says no. I've seen that before. You've seen that, or you like watching a movie late at night and it happened. <laughs> no, do you I know think any I've... of your have you, any of your friends been asked to marry somebody and they said no? No. Have you ever heard? No, no, no. I've not heard of that. No, Jesse. You... There was one actually. I think it was a Dallas Stars game on the big board at a Dallas Stars game. No joke. Like three years ago, girl said no. Was that a setup though? Was that no, st- no. Because I looked into it because I was like. Bull. I thought it was a shtick. No. But no, it, it it was totally legit. She got up and walked out, or she didn't get up and walk. You know, she walked out. He like followed her, and it was totally legit. Totally legit. On the Jumbotron, I think it was the Dallas Stars three or four years ago. Julie's covering her face. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Okay, so Bill and Evergreen, basically, we say don't do it. Again, you can. If you want to no, ask if us- you know the answer, but he's saying he's not 100% sure. Yeah, I just, I don't know how romantic Go it for it. You know what? Okay. Life's about taking, I'm changing my tune. What's what's my buddy's name? Bill? Bill and Evergreen. Bill and Evergreen, listen. Sometimes in life, you got to go for it, all right? There's potholes in life. I tell my boys this all the time. And sometimes you get knocked down, you got to get up. If she says no, you got knocked down, but you're going to get up. It's just you're going to get knocked down in front of 40,000 people. <laughs> go for it. When we come back, we're going to talk to your partner, Hilda, Hilda's friend as well. We're going to talk to Spilly. You're going to talk to Spilly. Yeah. We're going to do an, an interview. We'll also, after the interview, tell you about our first giveaway on the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. It's something you want to listen to. It's something you want to win. Cool. Hey, folks, every week I tell you about my friends at Ideal Home Loans. I'm really excited about this company. I've been involved, as I tell you, every week with them for several years. They're reachable at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000, Ideal Home Loans. So if you're in the market for a new home or if you're refinancing or if you're trying to take away some debt and, and pay it off at a much lower amount, Go and see my friends at Ideal Home Loans. They're really going to take care of you. If you're new to Denver, Ideal Home Loans is not. They've been around since 2001. They make it easy. We'll even come to your home to help with your loan. You decide what works best for you. You can come to their office. You can come uh, and meet them somewhere, or they will come to your home. And one other thing that's really important to point out, their employees are salary-based lending specialists. You're not going to get the the hard sales pitch. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They're really terrific. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. Once again, that's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans, owned by Brent Ivinson. They do a wonderful job. You'll be pleased when you give them a call. great partners uh, in the booth and occasionally a third Corey Sullivan Corey was with me uh, for a couple of games in Arizona but uh, Staples or Jeff Houston and Ryan Spielborgs and Spilly is a character and he is our subject of our ideal home loans interview of the week okay I constantly give you a hard time however I'm going to start with the biggest compliment I can give you you saved our ass (laughs) in the dog game in the Bark the Park game. 
you saved everybody. In fact, I heard from people who said they kept watching the broadcast because Spilly was so entertaining. If those that don't remember, unfortunately, Jeff Hoffman had a rough game. Five in the first, two in the second. It was seven nothing before Spilly got to his first Chihuahua. <laughs> you know what? When we go through the dog days, pun intended, you have to have fun with the broadcast. I mean, you and I, we, it's easy to do a broadcast when the team's winning. And when the team's not doing so well, when they're getting the tail kicked, that's where we make our money. And um, yeah, like I realize as a, as a player, like there's times where you can walk the line where you need to be serious. You know, like the game's on the line, you can't be messing around. But there's also times when the game gets sideways where you need levity. You need somebody that has some fun uh, to kind of just lighten the mood. Like I remember I was in AAA with uh, Columbus, and this is after I've been in the big leagues, and uh, we had a really good team. Corey Kluber was on that team, um, a bunch of guys that ended up making it to the big leagues with the Cleveland Indians. And so I come in there and I'm one of those guys that have been, you know, kind of a culture guy from the Rockies. I don't make the big league team with the Indians. And I really thought it was important to teach the guys like win or lose that you can lighten the lighten the mood. And so even after a loss, it'd be five minutes. And we, we had this discussion. We're like five minutes after the game, we're back to being normal. And so we would turn on Bob Marley and like guys said, it was like, dude, that like takes a big load off our chest because it's it's like you realize it's like all right it's one game let's go back to having fun so looking at those those dog broadcasts i always looked at it as like a chance to kind of break the mold uh i personally i love it and um i don't know i just feel like if we can keep the fans engaged while they're grinding because they're grinding just as much as the players are we're grinding um at least we can have like a moment where it's some fun I think your new social media picture should be you with four with the four paws in the air. <laughs> so that dog's named Parker. So it's Parker Parker the Loveland Ski Dog. I thought it was a Vail dog, and I got corrected, like we always do on Twitter. Anytime you make a pop culture reference that's that's missed, you get worn out on Twitter. Anytime you just make a mistake on something that is irrelevant to our broadcast, you're corrected on Twitter. I mean, I could say. It was a two-one fastball, and it could have been a three-zero slider, and somebody would nobody would say anything to us. But if I say that uh, it was it was Tom Hanks and Escape from from Alcatraz, I would have a thousand text messages and tweets that no, it's not that guy; it's Clint Eastwood or whoever it was, Kurt Russell. I don't even know, but that's how we get to, that's how we get our constructive criticism is stuff that's out of our hands. That's why I always laugh at it. It's crazy. By the way, what you were saying earlier about keeping it light, which you have a PhD in, do the 2019 Rockies need some of that? <sighs> yes, and I think we're seeing it with the Cucarachas. I think that's part of, you know, the, the when we were watching, you know, we were waiting for Charlie Blackman to be the last guy. He was the last guy to do the Cucaracha. And uh, I thought it was a little telling of kind of this group. It was almost... I, w- I wouldn't say it's like the team is just kind of giving in to what's happening, but I thought, you know, the way the way this group has underperformed and just the way that the season's kind of played out, um, you know, that it, it has to be a, a moment where they kind of just drop their guards and they say, you know, bleep it, let's, let's just play and uh, let's get away from expectations, let's get away from... You know, the, let's get away from wins and losses for a second. Let's just play the game as teammates. Let's have fun. Let's try to execute. And the Cucarachas, I think, kind of brings that. I think when, I, when I'm watching it, I knew we're watching them get beat up by some really good teams. Really good teams. They're playing quality baseball. 
but you can see that they're still trying to keep it light, that they're still trying to grind out those at-bats. And when you see the cucarachas thing come out there, I think that's what we're seeing. And we're seeing, like, the perspective of the season is is spinning a little bit, but we're still teammates. What's the most disappointing aspect of, of 2019 for you, coming off two really good years? Yeah, that's a tough question because I think there's a couple things – I think looking at the starting pitching, um, taking a step backwards, I wasn't expecting that. I think the the back end of the bullpen, there's been some really great stories, as like Scott Oberg. There are some great stories this season. Brian McMahon's turned it around. He's turned into a legitimate player. Um, I just think when you look at this group and the expectation that we had for them and not living up to that, and I, and I think when we look at if we look at this this season in hindsight, we're going to look at that that series in June against the Padres. That's where it felt like so much of the momentum was just kind of sucked out of the team when you lose some pretty bad games. I mean, they were on a run of playing quality baseball. They were playing good since May, and you're starting to see a lineup click. You were starting to see some starters eat up some innings. John Gray's been a great story. Herman has been a great story. Um, it was disappointing seeing Kyle's season. It was disappointing seeing Tyler Anderson not even pitching. Um, it's been, you know, there's been a lot of injuries and circumstance, but at the same time, I thought, I thought these guys were would be able to weather that. And it, I, I mean, having lived it, there's losses that pile on, and I think that's what happened. I think this group had some losses that piled on, and. Uh, I think it, at the end of at the end of the season, they realize that they have to play clean baseball. You can't walk people. I mean, that's that's boils down to that. You have to play clean defense. And there was a stretch of baseball they didn't do any of that. I want to go back to when you were playing. What was the quality that you brought that maybe was underappreciated that allowed you to get to the highest level of baseball? Uh, I don't know. I think. We always make fun of, you know, like I'm a poor man's five-tool player. And, like, you know, I grounded out the shortstop probably more than anybody in the history of the game. And, you know, I, I know I make fun of my career a lot. And I do it because I've, I'm partially serious. But I'm also, like, I respect what I've been able to accomplish. And I and I know how hard I worked. Uh, and I know the pride that I took in just taking a quality at bat. Like, that was all I really cared about was how can I take a quality at bat. And I think when you have... A group of players that actually care about that about i just want to take a quality at bat i'm not looking for results and i trust the guy behind me and then being able to verbalize that to your teammates about how important that is whether it's like hey man don't worry about it, but let, let's get let's give you like i want to see a good at bat let, let me see a good at bat um i think there there's there's levels of this game that you can never measure we always talk about heart you can't measure heart but i think you know, holding people accountable is, is like a legitimate characteristic that very few people have. And when they have it, it's always underscored. People never give it enough credit. You know, people never never look at somebody that holds someone accountable and go like, I like that guy. They're usually like, I don't like that guy because he's holding me to a standard. Uh, you know, like nobody wants to get a ticket, uh, but they're a necessary evil. You know, nobody wants to be caught for speeding. Um, but we we wouldn't be safe without those guys, and I think I think you know not that I'm a cop or not that you want to have that mentality, but somebody that's able to put the group in a place is really important, and I think I did that throughout my career pretty well. You did it very well. You know, I want to go back also because when you were playing, 
your focus, as it should be, was on being the best player and the best teammate you could be. But in what we do, what you do now, we looked and said, you know what, down the road, he may be one of us. Did you already have an idea that, boy, I may gravitate in that direction? Because you're fortunate. A lot of guys who made a ton of money and were, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players, it ends because they take your spikes away at some point. And then there's nothing, no matter how much money you have, how many material possessions, etc., You've been able to make a transition in a career because I'm with you every day. I know how much you love this. I do, I do love it. I never thought I'd get into this, to be honest. Uh, Kenny Miller and Clay Paulo kind of called me out in uh, 2013 after I was in in Japan, and they said they had an opportunity for me, and I I didn't know what that was. And I said, I'm still playing. I'm 33. I worked on my swing in Japan. I actually got it back to where I was hitting really well. Um, I felt like I was ready to get back to the big leagues but um between like my family life and feeling like i was not i was not around the house or around the kids and knowing that if i did go back to professional baseball that my path most likely was back overseas if i didn't make a big league team and so i was kind of vulnerable in that i was open to another option and i've always you know you've known me forever i don't turn down stuff i really don't you're a worker. I'm a worker. I like to work, and I like to be. I like challenges. I like, uh, like even as a player, somebody would say, "Would you like to do this?" It wasn't like I sought it out. I didn't seek it out. I didn't go looking for uh, Hyundai of Greeley when I was doing that. I didn't look for spill the beans when I was doing that. Like they presented it to me, like, "Would you like to do that?" And I said, "Sure." Um, and because of that, and because I treated people, I guess, with some sort of respect within the clubhouse. Kenny and Clay called me and they said, we have an opportunity for you. And I took a shot. You know, I really trusted that Clay and Kenny had my best interests at heart and I had to take a chance. And that's what I did. But kind of your point, I'd never, as baseball players, we don't ever think about the future. We really don't. We think about my next at bat, today's game. And, you know, to know that I got set up because I treated people in the in that with my blinders on, I treated them well, and it happened to lead to this. I'm I'm actually pretty fortunate for that. You're fortunate. You're one man communications uh, company because you not only do Rockies baseball on television, as everybody knows, on AT and T Sportsnet, but you uh, host a daily show on MLB Network on radio. You host a weekend show. You're uh, virtually everywhere. You got a, a big project going, and we'll talk about that at another point in time up in uh, Windsor, Colorado. I'm going to leave you with this, and you need to comment on this because. Um, I'm going to change her name to Hilda, but there's a woman out there. I think she's probably 50 plus that does that's very unhappy with me because I give you a hard time on a regular basis. So can you tell Hilda it's okay? Do you want me to go truthful or can we? No, you can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. You can kill kill me. So can, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like behind behind the curtains. This is a family. I mean, that's exactly what we are. Um, you know, we realize we are, we're very fortunate that people let us into their homes every night. And we take that, I'd never take that for granted. You get a chance to meet people on the concourse and they tell you how much they enjoy watching you. And they're like, Spilly, you know us? It's Martha and Fred. And I'm like, I've never met you my whole bleeping life. Um, and so we also understand that we're broadcasters and we're entertainers at the same time. 
And so Drew and I are like uh, two peas in a pod behind closed doors. We're awesome. But on camera and when the lights turn on, we understand that there's a little fun in games here and, and we're totally okay with it. And Spilly is low-hanging fruit and always will be. So Hilda, keep those letters coming. Spilly, thanks, brother. You got it, Drew. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. One of the things that struck me about that interview, and it's a little bit insider-ish, but um, talking about Kenny Miller, kind of discovering him or giving him an opportunity, you really have to have somebody in the business that believes in you when you're talking about like an ex-athlete that sees something in you as an athlete that will look ahead and go, this person would really, really do well and willing to work with you. Because it's not like... I think every athlete, when they retire, that wants to go into this, it's not like they know exactly what to do and are pros at it. You need somebody that believes in putting in the work. So, and Kenny's like that. And I just, I kind of wanted to mention that because I think he's, um, I think, I think Spilly was fortunate to run into Kenny and Kenny saw something in him and obviously it paid off. Yeah. And Kenny's a big baseball guy. Kenny, for those that don't know, good friend of both of ours. I've worked mm-hmm. with Kenny for, till he went to altitude, uh, but he remains yeah. a very close friend. Yeah. Kenny <laughs> and I worked together for over 30 years. Uh, he was the executive producer for a number of years at, at, uh, the various incarnations of what is currently AT&T sports. And yeah. that goes way back when it was prime sports, Fox sports, et cetera. So, uh, but Kenny has a great eye for talent. Yeah, he does. And, uh, he thought that Spilly, when he played, you just tell when guys do interviews and he's bubbly personality and, uh, you know, gregarious in his, uh, in his personality. And he was right. Spilly, Spilly is, is terrific. Yeah. It's uh, obvious that you guys have a, have a good time. So I know this was a few days ago. It was last weekend that we learned about switching over to the NFL, but we can kind of bring it back into baseball where Andrew Luck retires. And he, he the news broke early, so he ended up having to have that press conference a day earlier. And if you saw the video or even heard about it, so he was booed by the home crowd because that news came out early. And basically during a preseason game against the Bears, everybody in the stadium knew that. And as he's had heard the rumor that he was going to retire and they were booing him, the home crowd was booing him when he went off the field. And he said that it bothered him. He heard it and it bothered him. And it was Pain, it was to me it was painful to watch and you and I have always talked about the good and the bad of sports for me that was an example of the bad of sports like you don't think that moment was tough enough for Andrew Luck to have to decide to cut his football career early to have the home crowd and I know that they were surprised and they were disappointed but to boo him I hate it yeah at, at first glance bad form booing somebody that has dealt with numerous injuries and he reached a point even if he hadn't even if this guy had never ever gotten hurt it was in pristine condition physically he has the right to say you know what I'm not in love with playing anymore or doing whatever. How many people in the stands who booed may have changed career paths at one point in time? Did anybody stand up and say, hey, what are you doing? You've been a great salesman. Now you're going to go and uh, go to law school or or whatever. You're going to change careers or companies. He has a right to do that. And I think a lot of those people, hopefully, that booed would take a step back and say, okay, you know what, I reacted and and probably shouldn't have done that at that time. I will also say this, that Andrew Luck had to have shared 
what he was going to do, i.e. retire, with some people one would assume are close to him, right? Mm-hmm. So who the hell, and, and Adam Schefter's a friend, and he's a friend of yours because yeah. Adam you know, kind of grew up professionally here in this town, and I have um, the utmost respect for him, and he's done you know, a marvelous job. He's been the kingpin now over the last several years in terms of dispensing and revealing uh, information in the NFL. But if somebody's really close to you, it's like, Julie, you and I are good friends. And if you told me, hey, this is a deep, dark secret, but it, but in a week I'm going to drop off the podcast, mm-hmm. right, which would be, I mean, earth-shattering, devastating, devastating news. It would be. Mm-hmm. And um, But you get my point. Who is sharing that? Who is, who is leaking that? So shame on whoever's in his inner circle because he didn't do Andrew Luck, his close friend, any favors in that regard. I suppose if you really want to look at it, is it a little bit curious that he does this within you know two weeks of the start of the season? He had to be having these feelings before, but it is his right to say, I'm overwhelmed right now with either rehab or a lack of 100% commitment and passion. And I do know this much. From being around, as you have, professional athletics or even collegiate athletics for a great number of years, if you are not 100% committed or passionate, you can't do it. You will either be miserable or underperform tremendously. And shame on anybody else who wants to, you know, you want to live vicariously through somebody else or say what you would do. You have no idea. Yeah, I just was an interesting response. I can understand the disappointment. You know, say you shelled out a bunch of money for season tickets that year thinking that you were going to that the Colts are going to make a run. It's a good team. And Andrew Luck was going to be back. I get the disappointment. I just wonder if booing, um, if they could do it again, would they would they do it again? Well, hopefully, hopefully many would not. Hopefully most Mm -hmm. would not. Hopefully all would not and say, okay, you know what? I get it. He's he's a you know, he's a deep thinker. He's uh, he's passionate about what he wants to do in life, and and at at this juncture, he doesn't feel like he can continue playing football. I don't know what the future holds. He's only twenty nine. He may a year from now or two years from now, where he's still plenty young. It'll be a decade younger than Tom Brady. He'll probably still be playing, and he may say, "You know what? The passions come back. I feel healthy again. I feel great. I want to go play football again." And listen, he'll have he'll have a long list of suitors. He also could be Barry Sanders because many uh, thought that Barry Sanders, I I think of him, would come back because he retired for many prematurely. And you know what? He didn't. So who knows? It wouldn't shock me either way, but he has the right to do that as we all do in whatever our vocation is. We also have the right to have our first giveaway of the Drew Goodman podcast. This is going to be, what are we giving away? Well, you should know this because you're going to provide it. Uh, We're going to give away one of your books and it's going to be autographed as we personally autographed. It's not just going to say best wishes, Drew Goodman. It's going to say like to Hilda, Hilda. love Drew Goodman. Go Rockies, love Drew. Yes. So whoever wins this and it's very easy. All you have to do is um, you have or I at uh, Julie Brownman one and you are Drew Goodman 42. Correct. Okay. I should know this by now. Just retweet the link. We're going to tweet out the link every single day this week. All you have to do is retweet the link and subscribe. 
to the podcast and you are entered to win a personalized autographed book. Very cool. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm going to try to get involved in that. <laughs> yeah, good, because you got to provide the book. Oh, okay. You actually have to, yeah, give yeah. me the book to give to the person. Did I did I give you one yet? No. Chris and I were just talking about that. I, I did not get a book. I'm going to wait till the, um, I'm going to give it to Jesse to read to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all you have to do is retweet the link and subscribe. Very, very easy. We're going to be doing that all this week. So we're going to end the podcast. Lucky number seven. Um, last week, I made a very poor mistake in reading you your daily horoscope. What? That was, that was entertaining. So yeah. I'm not going to ask you if it came true. Um, everybody gets, Jesse, you want to open your... So we're we have we're doing Chris- fortune cookies. Yeah. Okay. It's hard for me to talk and. Okay. So what's your fortune? I haven't snapped it open yet. I just did. Okay. It's in Mandarin. I can't read it. <laughs> okay. It says July. <laughs> oh, I got to read the other side. My bad. Mine says bean sprout. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Tour. Oh, excuse me. Your coworkers take pleasure. In your great sense of creativity. Seriously? That's what it says. You're my coworker. Do you take great <laughs> pleasure in my great sense of creativity? I do. You're lying. You're right. Mine says it's in Mandarin. Uh, mine says um, you do not have to know where you are going to be headed, but you're going to be headed in the right direction. You don't have to basically know where you are, but you're going in the right direction. I and need you my, read my book. <laughs> She can't even read the back of a fortune cookie. <laughs> Kidding me? Read that again. I can't. I can't. That is in English. It. You made I it sound like it was Mandarin. in Mandarin. For God's sake. Oh my gosh. Okay. You do not have. I don't want to do this. You do oh it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's late. Where, didn't you go to Colorado Academy years I did. ago? In the University of Kansas. I'm going to close that place down after that. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. You do not have to know where you are going to be headed in the right direction. Okay. You know, that's a deep thought. Okay. And in your case, (laughs) it is apropos. It is apropos. So that is a lucky podcast number seven. If you want to win Drew's book, just retweet the link that we'll be tweeting out all this week and share and subscribe. Drew? That was fun. That was really fun. That was fun. Thanks to Spilly for being our uh, guest of the week. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Jesse and Kristen for being our studio audience. There was more people here. We just <laughs> didn't see them. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And remember, check out our website at thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com. 